Uh, please open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. Now, you might be wondering what happened to Genesis. Well, we haven't forgotten about Genesis, but we couldn't finish the book up this month. So, um, and I also didn't want to, I didn't want to overdo it with the long scripture readings in the evenings. And, um, and I want to get caught up in 1 Thessalonians a little bit. So, a lot of reasons why uh, we're in 1 Thessalonians tonight. But what the, the game plan in my mind is that next month we'll take a couple of Sunday evenings and have two more long readings and uh, finish up reading the book of Genesis. So that's, that's the game plan, what I, I hope to do. I, I know that it says morning on the top, but it's actually for this evening. It's different than this evening. It's different than this evening. Yeah. Different title and everything. For the message, I don't know what's going on with the screen right now. But you should have a handout that says the effective word. Everything good back there, guys? Okay. All right, let's go ahead and read the scripture. So that's the deal with Genesis, okay? We hope to finish reading up the book of Genesis next month, a couple of Sunday evenings uh, together. So First Thessalonians. Chapter 2, we'll pick up where we left off this morning. And uh, at verse 12, and I'm going to read through verse 16. Y'all got it this evening? If you, if you got it, would you say amen? Uh, let me read for us. It says that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea, in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered that the same things from our own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Let's pray. Lord, please bless your word as it goes out this evening. I pray, Father, that we would learn from your word. And God, that the things that we learn would not just be knowledge that we have, but that it would really cause us to live for you. And, and Lord, just be stronger in the faith. And as we, as we seek, Lord, to, to serve you and not to serve the idols of this world, the dead idols of this world, but to serve the living and true God. So give us grace, Lord, that your word might help us to be able to do that with a faith that is strong, built upon the, the foundation of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. Do we have that straightened out yet, guys? All right, so I don't know what's going on there. If we need to do an AV mute on that so that it's not a continual... Uh, distraction for everybody, then that might be a good thing to do. But we'll uh, continue on here and 
looking at this in verse 12, all right? So we're picking up where we left off this morning. He says there that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, please, please note that, that that was Paul's objective in him encouraging them and comforting them and charging them. It was so that they would walk in that way. Now, I want to cross-reference for you uh, about three or maybe a couple more passages than that about walking worthy of um, something. And we'll see that there's different, different ways in which that is addressed. Here it's walking worthy of God. But if you'll take your Bibles and go back to the book of Ephesians, we'll see in the book of Ephesians that the Apostle speaks here as well about walking worthy. And you can look to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Ephesians 4, verse 1. And it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And then he goes into how they are to, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So that's uh, walking according to their calling, walking in a worthy way. Oh, it looks like they got it fixed. Thanks, guys. Now let's go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1. I don't know. Philippians 1, verse 27. Here it says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see, whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So we see walk worthy of your calling in Ephesians 4. Here we see let your conduct be worthy of God or of the gospel. And it's the same idea there. The walking worthy or your conduct being worthy. It's the same way about the way we're living out our lives. And that is an expectation that the Apostle Paul has for the churches which he has founded, has for the churches of Christ. Now, go to Colossians chapter 1. And it's, it is interesting that in these letters that we find here, Ephesians Philippians, Colossians, and then 1 Thessalonians, we find examples of this. This is found in the prayer uh, for the Colossians that Paul prays in Colossians 1. The prayer begins in verse 9, saying, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with all the knowledge, or with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then in verse 10, he says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then it continues after that, the prayer does, but I'm pointing out for you these references to walking, walk worthy of your calling. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Um, 
a prayer that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. And if you take what I hopefully reminded you of this morning about living a life that's pleasing to the Lord and living that as the goal to be pleasing to Christ, that this prayer fits right into that. Brothers and sisters, this is a great prayer for us to pray for one another. That we would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Wouldn't you want people praying that for you? And we, we can pray that for one another. We should pray that for one another. And I want you to please pray that for me. We can go then to 2 Thessalonians. And this is a, probably a little different, but we see in first, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Here he says about the Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 5. He says, uh, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Now, we'll get into the whole context of that when we're working our way through it. But if you look at verse 11. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of of his call of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. The the last two are something really that God is doing for them or that he's asking God to do for them or that is the result of things in their life. But the first four are instances where he's telling the church to do this. And he's praying for them that they would do this. That they would walk worthy of, of God. So as we look back to 1 Thessalonians 2, this fatherly expectation that Paul had toward them is that they would walk in a worthy manner. If you think about, think about being a father, those of you who are, the, the expectation for any father for his children is that they ought to walk in a worthy way. Even if they are not a Christian family, a father ought to have an expectation for his children that they would walk in a way that's at least worthy of the name of that family. In such a way... That, it would not, that that child would not misrepresent the parents, those who have raised them and taught them. And while that's true for a Christian family as well, it goes far beyond that for a Christian family and for Christian children. Because our goal as parents is not ultimately that our children would be just like us, but that our children would strive to be like the Lord and to imitate Him and follow His example. Walk worthy of God. Now, as you look there at verse 12, he says that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. That's the next part I want to look at for a second. When I read across that and, and thought about that idea of calling. My mind went back to 
a study probably either earlier this year or last year from 1 Corinthians. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, calling, God who calls us. In this chapter, when I was studying through it at that moment and that day, for whatever reason it was that I was doing that, that word calling stood out to me from this chapter in a way that it has never done before. And let's just see if we can see a few of those examples here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Does anybody see the first one? Okay, so first of all, in verse 1, we see Paul was called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Anybody see the next one? Verse 2. To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Now, as you scan these verses, do you see another? Verse 9, good. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's significant. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son. God called us into the fellowship of His Son. Anybody see another one? I have to skip a few verses. Which verse? Okay. All right, so as we go to verse 24, um, it says, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So let's go back a little bit. If you look at verse 22, For the Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Where's the next one? All right, 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And that's implied in the New King James Version. It's in italicized at the end. Is that the last one? I think it is. Emphasis on calling. So you ever sit there and think, why in the world did I come to believe in the gospel? And yet, maybe, you know, maybe you have a brother or sister or parents or somebody close to you who hasn't believed in the gospel. They've heard the same thing. It's not because you're any better of a person than they are. 
or than any of us or any better than anybody else. But it goes back to, to some degree, for sure, the fact that God called us. Now, can you ever think, can you, can you remind, remember of anybody who ever called a dead person out of a tomb or out of a grave? Who did that? Who did he call out? Lazarus. He called Lazarus out of the grave and Lazarus came out. And we can take some of these passages and we can see, hey, if we are in the kingdom of God now, if, if we are to walk worthy of God who called us into His own kingdom and glory, the reason we are in that kingdom and glory is because He had grace upon us and He called us out of our spiritual state. One more place I want to point out to you is in um, Romans. If you want to flip there, Romans chapter 8. And this shows up in something that's called the, uh, it's been called the golden chain of salvation. You may have or may not have heard that. Now, you're not actually going to find golden chain of salvation in the Bible. But what I'm about to point out to you is, has been called that by, I guess, theologians. And... We can pick up here in verse 29, and we'll see it in verse 30, the golden chain. All right, everybody got it? If you got it, say amen. All right. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And then in verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also, what? What does it say? Called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Alright? So the scripture lays out for us very much things that we see in the book of 1 Thessalonians. But clearly, that God is the one who takes initiative in His relationship with us. God is the one who is the prime mover in pursuing us as lost sinners and drawing us to Himself through the gospel of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of our spiritual death and He gives us new life in Christ. We would not be able to attain it apart from is doing that. God as the king is the one who allows us into his kingdom. He makes us his sons and daughters, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to everybody? Does anybody have any objections to that? That might be a dumb question to ask everybody sitting here, but I mean, are there any objections to that? Does it, does it make sense? Do you see it in the Bible? That God is the one who calls. I'm going to take that as a y'all are good with it. Alright, so as we look there at that verse, and Paul saying this to these believers in Thessalonica, he wants them to remember who they are, what kingdom they belong to, and maybe even what ultimately awaits for them in Christ. Now, with that in mind, I don't, I don't think we have the 
slides up on the screen, but we're down with it. A point number one would be this, because we're about to emphasize the effective word. Point number one is this, people of the word. That's easy enough, right? People of the word. Because in verse 13, and hey, I can write this up on the whiteboard over here, okay? I'm going to hook you all up. So let's look at it, verse 13, because there's several subpoints here in verse 13. For this reason, all right, so see that, for this reason, all right, because they are to walk worthy of God who has called them into His own kingdom and glory, for that reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word, that's the first subpoint. the word received. Right there out of the text, the word received. When you received the word of God, which you heard, that's the second one, the word heard. Which you heard from us, you welcomed it. That's the third one, the word welcomed. You welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. The fourth one is the word works. All right. So those next four blanks there. Um, the first, first point is people goes in that blank. And then you have the words, what were they? Received. What was the next one? The word heard. What was next? Welcomed. And then the last one, works. All right. If anybody needs that, don't want anybody to be frustrated tonight. I'm frustrated though because my eyes. Uh, I had used reading glasses for a while. Y'all may remember that. Then I got my contacts swapped around so that I had a strong one in one eye and a weak one in the other eye, and it all balanced out. It was working great. And then earlier this week, it's uh, it's not working anymore. So I'm I'm frustrated now when I I'm trying to read some of some of this stuff. So I'm gonna have to get that straightened out. I don't want y'all to be frustrated though, because you don't have the blanks. So people received, heard, uh, welcomed, and worked. So let's look at that a little bit from this passage. All right, um, with people of the word. All right, so. Uh, when you see this word received in relation to the Word of God, does anything come to your mind in the Bible? Now, I'm asking this, and I really want us to think about this because we need to start connecting some dots in regards to words like this. When you see the word received, and it's in relationship to the Word of God, some things ought to start clicking in our minds. So, does anything come to mind in regard to that? I'm sorry? Okay, it was given, but what I'm asking here is, do you think? can you think of other passages that uses the word received, and hear, and the Word of God? Okay, so that's specifically what I'm asking for here. Anybody think of anything? 
not, I'm going to take that as a, you're not willing to say it, right? So what, what, I, what I hope starts coming to mind on that is passages like, you remember? The sower and the seed. In every one of the instances where it has the four different types of soil, it talks about they received the word. It may have been on stony ground by the wayside, um, among the thorns, or on good ground. But every one of them, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus, when He's explaining that, talks about how they received the Word. They heard the Word, received the Word. And it's from the seed that's sown. Okay, So one example of this is Matthew 13. Let me give you another example. Another example is a passage that I preached like at the end of June, but it was from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in 1 Corinthians 15, there Paul talks about uh, the gospel which he preached to them. Do you remember what it says? And which you also received. So he Preach the word to them. Let me check that to make sure I'm right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. All right, so that's another connection here in 1 Corinthians 15 with the importance of receiving the word of God. The thing about it, folks, if you go back to Matthew 13, there's actually an instance in there where Jesus, he encourages his disciples, uh, take heed what you hear. Listen to me, to a degree, and I don't know what degree it is and how God works all of this out, but we are responsible for how we hear and receive the word of God. Okay? We've got to realize that. We are responsible for how we hear and receive the Word of God. When the Word of God is preached to you, is it falling on good ground? And is that is that seed going to produce fruit? Or when the Word falls on the ground of your heart, is it going to be choked out by the cares of this world so that it ends up producing nothing in your life? You see, that's all very important and you are responsible for how you hear and how I hear. That's why Jesus said over and over again, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, so, receiving the Word, hearing the Word are um, all important. Now, you might remember a passage. Does anybody, does anybody think of a passage that has to go with hearing the Word specifically and the importance of hearing the Word of God and faith? Yep. All right, anybody remember where that's located? Romans 10. All right, what verse? Yep, Romans 10, 17. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 
Alright? So the word of God must be preached, it must be proclaimed, it is heard, and then from that, God uses that word and um, brings about faith in an individual. Okay? Does that make sense for everybody? Alright? Now, the, la the third one is welcomed, the word welcomed. Um, when you go back to chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, and you can see in verses 5 and 6, where he says there in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5 and 6, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance or conviction, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sakes. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You see them welcoming that word of God. The, now, the, the, apparently the difference between them and the Bereans. Does anybody remember anything about the Bereans? What, what was unique about the Bereans? Yep, yep. They studied the scriptures daily to see if the things that they were told were, were accurate, true. Now, the Bible says that they received it with all readiness. Now, apparently the Thessalonians did that too. And I guess the distinguishment here is that the Jews there in Berea... Well, never mind. I'm not going to say that. Because he, he kind of points out the Jews. The Jews in Thessalonica, um, some of them believed, and perhaps they didn't study the Scriptures and make sure, however, they did welcome it and they believed it. But those in Berea were all about studying it to ensure that the things that they were told were true. And the last point is uh, the word uh, works, all right? The word working in us. And look over in your Bibles, if you would, and I'll just point out a couple of passages to you. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. All right, so 1 Peter 1, 23. Here's what the Bible says. He um, talking about the conversion of his readers. He says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which what? What does it do? It, it lives and abides forever. All right. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God, Hebrews 4, 12. Yeah, everybody turn there if you got your Bibles. It's good for us to be flipping our pages in the Bible. In verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living, not just to flip them for flipping sake, but to see what's our destination. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than in any two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You see, you can't hide from the Bible. You can't hide from the Word of God. And listen, folks, that's one of the big reasons why we've got to be in the Scriptures because that Scripture that we are in works in us effectively. And it exposes who we are. And it also informs us of who God is and who we are to be in light of that. Now, the last one I'll have you turn to is in Isaiah chapter 55. We'll be wrapping things up. Isaiah 55. Um. Let's start at verse. Let's start at verse six. Isaiah fifty-five, verse six. Everybody got it. Everybody got it. Ah, ah, verse six. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now notice verse 10. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return void to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Verse 12, For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come upon, instead of the thorn shall come upon, shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Cut off. Why, why point out those? Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says about the church there in Thessalonica that the word of God which they heard is working in them to do something in their life. If you will, we could take the words of Isaiah 
in chapter 55 and we'll say that the word of God in the Thessalonians is instead of bringing forth a thorn, it's bringing forth a cypress tree. Instead of bringing forth the briar, it's bringing forth a myrtle tree. It is causing his people to sing, to, to shout with joy and to be let out with peace because the word of God is working in them in an effective way to change their lives. And folks, tonight, please realize that the word of God can and does work in us still today in this way. To have a dramatic effect in our lives so that we can be built up and have an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Now, the word of God. So here, here's your last points. OK, you got two more and we're, we're not going to be able to cover them. But the point number three, the point number two is product of the word. So number two is product. Of the word. There's one thing I sure don't want to do on a Sunday night for this faithful crowd is leave you guys hanging wondering what goes in the rest of the blanks. So we're filling them out. Number two is product. And then number three is opponent. Opponents of the word. Opponents of the word. And I guess we'll have to try to pick up there Sunday morning. God willing. So ultimately that word is the word of the gospel. But we know that the word of God in its entirety is living. It is settled forever in heaven. And it does indeed work effectively in our lives as believers. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior tonight? Sunday night, August 27th, is just as good a night to receive the word of God as any. If you've never received the gospel, the word that you have heard, if you've never received it by faith, I implore you tonight, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Know Him as your Savior. Be forgiven of your sins. And then, strive to walk worthy of God who called you into His own kingdom and glory. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word that works in us effectively. And as we go out from here this week, Lord, let us not forget the things that we have heard. I pray, O oh Lord, that we will begin and maybe continue this very night to walk worthy of God. Thank you for reminding us of this tonight and for teaching us this tonight from your word. I pray it will Prove, Lord, to bring forth much fruit in our lives. Bless us and keep us as we go out. I thank you for everybody who's here tonight. I pray for those who are sick. Lord, maybe those who are discouraged or struggling in our congregation. I pray you'd bring healing to the sick. I pray you'd strengthen those who are faint-hearted. Lord, that we as a church would learn how to and know how and know who needs to be comforted and strive to do that. But Lord, we just ask you to use us this week and bless us and keep us until we come back together on Wednesday night. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.